0: Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode number 35. Yes, we are grounded. We're not going anywhere at the moment. She's not so much travelling. She's just, uh, what did someone say to me today? Senorita. I think they said isolated. Iso Senorita. There you go. Isolated Senorita. But my commitment to myself really is to keep these podcasts up and to do them week by week because they they just really make me happy and I love um, finding out people's story. Everybody's got a story and I'm lucky enough to live in a region as you all know, northern New South Wales, where there is just so many creatives around. I often talk about food and wine and gin and all those wonderful things. And I do touch on the arts, but I don't touch on it enough. And I made a bit of a promise to myself late last year that I would get more musicians and personalities and comedians on the show. So I have one today who is, literally wraps up all that, but maybe not a musician, but she's definitely the rest of it. Her name is Mandy Nolan. Hello, Mandy.
1: Hey, Kylie. Are you a musician? <laughs> um, I do play um, The Egg and <laughs> The Egg Shaker, and um, I do perform with a musician um, called Anya Tyrrell, an Irish musician. She's a fabulous musician, sort of internationally lauded musician. She lets me play The Egg, um, and I'm starting to do it a little bit more. I sing along in some of the songs now. I'm not a great singer, but um, I'm so, I, I wouldn't say I was a musician at all, but I'm, you know, I'm in the background, Kind of join a bit, and I and I love I work with musicians and write entertainment. I interview
0: musicians all the time. You do so. for the Echo. Let's we'll go there at the um towards the end. Um, they reckon if you've got a voice, you can sing. I actually do come from a musical family. My brother's a drummer, and I was a um, frustrated singer because I wasn't allowed in the partridge family. So I've always believed right. I can sing, and I can definitely hold a bit of a harmony. But I was told by Mahini Cox, who's a wonderful singing teacher in the area. If you have a voice, you can sing. So Mandy, you can sing. There we go, you're a singer now, my friend. Um, Thank you. (laughs) So Mandy Nolan, the elusive, the funny girl, Mandy Nolan. I want to know more about you as a young girl. Is Nolan your uh, maiden name?
1: Yeah. Okay, it you is. kept
0: it. Yeah, you're such a strong
1: independent. I always kept Nolan. Um, it's funny, I always thought it meant no land because it's such a family. <laughs> like I've grown up in a working class. Well even working class. Most of them didn't even have jobs.
0: We, let's. A all right. I okay.
1: unemployed before it was cool.
0: Oh, okay. Um, let's start but, there. Let's go right back. So where did you grow up, Mandy Nolan? One day,
1: um, Bondi. Bondi? No jokes. Bondi. It's not Bondi. Yeah. I always <laughs> like when people thought I said Bondi, and I just move on because it made me sound more exotic. But Bondi is a town um, in Western Queensland. It's about a place called the South Burnett near Kingaroy. So I grew up in a Joe Blakely Peterson of You know, very, you know, very pro Joe, um, and it means wild dog. That's what it, you know Bondi mm-hmm. means. It's actually a really sweet little country town. It had some lovely aspects to it, like it had. Boysen's, which is this amazing, one of the best, like a little country town department store. And we used to go down there and you'd book everything up. It was pre market, it was like a credit card, and you'd go, you could get fabric there, you'd get shirts, you'd get buttons, you'd get. Oh, wow. It was really cute. And they had stuff there from the 40s. Because it had been in general it was pound marking. So I've got the most incredible alligator skin shoes for seven pounds. And when I went to my groovy uni stage, i just go home to Boysham's and go out the back and find all the amazing kind of stock that was there. So that was that So was so of, just let's just stop there for a second because I'm listening to a
0: really good podcast at the moment, The Business of Fashion. And again, I'll send you this link. And there was a lady on there, Lily, someone or other German uh trend setter in fashion really an elder and she was talking about those stores is is pretty much all these empty uh, places that we're seeing through this COVID 19 the comeback will be the independent um, department store like you're talking about which will be full of artisans that'll take over from the majors this is what this podcast was all about and i just and she called it the age of the amateur like, so, which makes a lot oh. of sense to me. And I think that's pretty much what your, the visual I got then from Boynton's, did you say it was called? Boynton's. Boynton's. So it was an independent department store for the city, for the town, is that right? Yeah, for the
1: town. And you'd book it up and that barrel Boynton would write, two meters of Garbadeen <laughs> fabric, $2.25, three red buttons, 20 cents. And then every three months you get a bill because and sometimes would be every six months because, you as a farming community, and because if you're a farming community, money only comes in on the harvest, you know, or yeah, on when yeah. when they go to market with the cattle. So, yeah. it was booked up for months, um, knowing that people couldn't pay for a long time. And I, I think
0: everything I, would be wrapped in paper. Yeah, there wouldn't have been all I the plastic it was wrapped yeah. in paper.
1: Yeah. Um, it was. If they were like. I think their grandparents had run the shop. I mean, yeah. And it was. They were a brother and sister. Neither of them married, and I think they they pretty well stayed in that shop the whole time. It was kind of part. But a little country town was had kind of bits and pieces like that. You yeah, know, yeah. As most country towns do. Yeah. Like there was a time I think like in the fifties when it was fabulous. Like it was. Yeah. Really. Um, you know, they had the country balls and the halls, you know, there was three pubs and there were banks, all the beautiful banks Well, I think that it's, were there. Uh, from and, what you know, I can tell, the it's bank coming. Bank would live on the residents upstairs. And beautiful, it's coming and back. It's turning they're back. All back. Now. They're all empty now. They're all empty in those country towns, you know. They, I guess, you know, things changed, you know, and, you know, just town up the road that got a shopping mall with a Kmart would take mm-hmm. over and and you know banking went online and you lost a lot of you know that kind of stuff out of those communities. But I guess
0: that's what that podcast was saying what is it going to look like this lady's firm belief who is a fashionista she's a bit like um iris you know iris iris beautiful iris apple iris the, she's like that yeah. I can't think of her name right now li someone or other anyway she basically believes that we're going to go back to that, those days where the artisan spends the time with the buttons and everything you're just saying so it'll be interesting yeah, to see nice. well because the majors oh, they may, the majors may not as retail they may not um exist anymore uh so the the trend forecast is is that these shops will be filled with artisans the yeah, age the good. age of the amateur i'll send it to you so what does wandai look like now as a place
1: um it's all changed it's still a cute little country town a lot of the architecture is still kind of like that's quite thriving in a different way, there have been a lot of different people moved to the community. It was very farming. Like, there's a guy called AJ who believes he's Jesus, I guess, and he's got a Mary Magdalene or someone for a partner. And he runs a cult, um, and they moved there and brought up a lot of land. And that's quite a big cult. Um, I knew something had changed when I went home and they had vegan meals on at the pub. And I went, wasn't well, vegan, man. apparently the cult's vegan, so they do go to the <laughs> you, pub you and sound eat. It sounds like so, you're talking about, um, telgum right
0: now. Did I say that out loud?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like so. When a cult moved into the town, it, it, um, it, you know, the town went. You know what? <laughs> we need people. <laughs> come on, come on, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it As works, isn't it? Have right. your vegan meal at the pub. So, um, so that's that was kind of, you know, um, I guess it's like any country town. It's a little bit, you know, it, it's struggling. It's quiet. There's people that have chosen to live there. Because they want a quiet life or, you know, um, their family's there. So, yeah. And so i so that occasionally. I've got a sister that's there.
0: And so where, where did Mandy go after that? Did she go to university in, in Brisbane or what did she do?
1: I left home when I was six. I finished school at 16. Mm-hmm. Cause, you know, Queensland has that year missing. Yep, yep. Um, which is weird. There's mm-hmm. a year missing from the whole... Um, I think they're
0: fixing that this year, aren't they? Oh, shit, they're going to be in trouble. They won't be able to fix it and this I, year. This is the year. I'm
1: <laughs> it. So, um, and I started school a year early, so I literally finished school at 16, went to Brisbane, went to university. Mm-hmm. It was a big thing for me because, I mean, I was lucky that um, there'd been a... um, What's it called? Um, um, Whitlam had been through and done free education. Oh, yeah, yeah, because right. yeah. Yeah. Because with with um that, you know, I, I grew up my yeah. father died when I was six. I grew up in a country town with a, my mum was a widow who worked as a hairdresser and so I wouldn't have had How many kids? Uh she had um my brother yeah. and me. Yeah. And then I have a sister who was never formally adopted but lived with us from when she was two. Yep. Yeah. Um she's indigenous. Yeah. Um and later, Mum remarried, and I have a um, Sri Lankan sister as well. Oh, <laughs> Quite a multicultural family, as yeah. it turns out, coming from like an area that's a bit like Alabama. Yeah, um, yeah. But our family was always very Mum was really open-minded and really um, became very engaged in stuff around social justice and and humanitarian issues, and that kind of gave me a voice that I had from a very young. Is she still around, uh, Mandy? She's still with I was us? used to having a different point of view to my peers and I wasn't yeah. ever someone that wouldn't speak up. And is mum still with us? Yeah, yeah, mum's only 72. Yeah, right. She's yeah. a goer. She's a goer. She's only just retired.
0: Yeah, right. Um, and so do you feel like you got that that sort of edge from her in that sense,
1: that liberation that you're talking oh, about? Oh, totally, you know. Mum's um, a feminist. She's you know, she's very left-wing. She's very political. She's, um, you know, she's very mumsy as well. But, you know, she's always outraged. She's always ringing up going, she texts me things that Donald Trump does. Oh, look what he's done now. Oh, I can't believe it. Nancy Pelosi really gave him a hard time. Like, and I'm going, Mum, can you just say, how are you? Instead of going, what about Donald Trump? But that's, it's kind of adorable that she does that. Cause you I know, like she's,
0: the way she, um, I really hope my kids, and you probably do too, describe me as outraged as opposed to psychotic. I reckon that's really yeah. cool, outrage. Yeah, it
1: is, she's a little outraged. Because um, <laughs> you can be so, a bit outraged at times too, hey Mandy Nolan. Yeah, I know, I'm probably like that too. Just but, a little. You know, I, I was very lucky, you know, that was. So I, I went to university um, in Brisbane, Queensland Union. It was a bit of a. Like being a little country girl, yeah. Brisbane was such a big change for me. Like, to yeah. me, that was a big city. I'd never been anywhere else. Like, I'd never been outside of New South Oh, I had actually. Sorry, I went to Perth. So mm. I played basketball for Queensland. So while I was at school, I did go to Western Australia and spend a week or two in Because Perth, you, you
0: but... are, what What are you, honey? You're six foot one. You're over six
1: foot, aren't you? No, I'm no six foot.
0: You're on six foot. And did yeah. you enjoy that? those basketball days? Was that something I you I loved it. Yeah. I loved
1: it um, a lot, except for, this is what happened when I was in Perth. I was, um, I been. it was under 16, i have been 15, and it was the year that Flashdance came out, and we had a day off, and... Um, playing in the national championships and the, there's a woman, she wasn't, like, she wasn't the coach, she was like the coach's assistant she was someone's mum and she goes okay girls, today, because we've got a day off, we're all going to go see dance. and I went, oh I don't really want to go. She goes, what? Everyone wants to see dance, Mandy why do you have to be difficult? And I said, well everyone can go, I might just go to a gallery or could I just go to the park? I said, we're, we're I've never been here before, can I Have a look around, or can I go to a museum? And she goes, you are a weird girl, Mandy Nolan. You are a weird, weird girl. (laughs) I I had to sit through Flashdance, and I can't watch that film now without thinking, Mandy Nolan, you are a weird girl. Don't you love those teachers? I actually am a weird girl, and I'm bloody glad about
0: it. Weird, weird, but different. Those teachers, because you and I are the same vintage, so you're a 67, I'm a 69. Would I be right in saying that? I'm a 68. 68-er. Okay, I'm at the end of 69. So we've got similar, similar. I'm in country Victoria at the same stage as you. Then I headed to uni in a big city. But I had teachers like that, that were just like, one of them said, um, you may as well give up because you're just, yeah, you're weird and you'll never do anything with your life. Like oh, terrible. No, and one, another one used to tell me to shut my neck. You would have laughed. If you, if you and I were, if you and I were at school together, we would have been in so much trouble. And I'd go, what are you, but you can't shut your neck, mate. Like, and I'd stand up and go, you know, there is no shutting, and anyway, and he'd just drag you out by the hair, you know? And, and, oh, they're really horrible
1: sometimes. But seriously, full on. They're really but I, wonder if, I, wonder,
0: I wonder if it made us um stronger and better people. For you, it probably made you want to come back to Wondon to and just um, leave, did it? Or not? Leave that... Back too? to Wondon,
1: I was glad to <laughs> admit, I have to admit. Um, I, I could never see myself staying there.
0: No.
1: Um, because I, I couldn't, you know, it, it, there weren't... Like the high school only went to Year 10. Yeah,
0: right. So I had
1: to get a bus to the Kingroy to go to Year 12. And that was really because, you know, nobody really went past that because there was no need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... By the time I was at school, more people were travelling across to Kingaroy to do 11 and 12. Yeah. Um, and there weren't many jobs. Like as a girl, if you were smart and yeah. you got a job at the yeah. doctors as a receptionist mm. or at the agricultural, mm. you know, you might be doing the accounts for the, the ag mm-hmm. group. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's a different world. And you'd have to wait for them to get knocked up, mm. you know, like to be the dental assistant. But mm. like you were never the doctor. You were never the lawyer. Mm. You were never the banker. You were the wife. You were the mm. secretary. You were the receptionist or you worked you know or you were in, or, um nursing but you have to go away to do nursing i think you still did some hospital training but not there
0: so what did um, you study at university what was your what was your thing what were you well
1: i studied journalism yeah right of course of this, and i i did most of that i didn't really finish journalism i got about two and a half years in so i failed um and then because that was different to now yeah so uni was like it started off with 500 and they went, by the third year, there'll be 40 people left because that's all the jobs they're on. That's right, yeah. And they just failed people. Not like now, is it? Yeah. You can't fail anymore. No. like You no, just no, no, no. want your money, so they are going to make sure you stay in the course. But then it was really hard. Yeah. You know, it was free education, yeah. but it wasn't a fucking free ride. Not at all. It you know, Not at really
0: worked to stay in the course. Not at all. I want to tell you a quick story because I think we've got some parallels, and I always knew this about you. Yeah. I... I hope I don't sound creepy. I just know that we've got similar yeah. things going on, you and I. So I did two. I'm going to fess up to something. I did two and a half years of my degree. So I was living on the Mornington Peninsula on an old farm down there, and I have to drive to Latrobe, Bunduru, which is two and a half hours each way. And I did, and I tried to get into journalism and PR at RMIT, and I didn't get in because I mucked around in year 12 like I was naughty and um I got into this old biddy said to me hurry up and choose and I got all flustered and and I just said I'll have that which was archaeology starting with an A I didn't even know what it was at the time so I did an archaeology and anthropology degree and mate I did two and a half years I often don't I don't actually say this often i I passed those two and a half years but I took off Mandy to do an elusive dig in Turkey but it's funny wow. now because you know when you do your LinkedIn profile and shit and you've got to put down like where you've done your education <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, it's so funny to write. and It's really, it's really, it's really, um, I like that you just said you did two and a half years because you just got to own that shit, right? So I put it on my LinkedIn recently, <laughs> BA, yeah. electric, two and a half years deferred for travel purposes.
1: I did do a few more years though. Oh, you ended up getting a
0: degree. Good girl.
1: Yeah, I did. No, I didn't end up getting this group I was one subject short, <laughs> and I could not bothered. What was um, this one? I, I did. I, I did a major in psychology. I did a double major. I was there for five years. I did a double major in I love sociology. Then a double major in literature. Yes. And through theory, theory, and yes. I also did drama. And um, I worked my way through. And I started doing political science like I just couldn't it was like I was like in a lolly shop like I just yeah. loved learning yeah. so much and those subjects that, are so like, cool i was getting distracted by other <laughs> subjects and you're going you have to pick a major and i went, why because I just want to do this now so I probably did more credit loads. yes but but you couldn't bunch them together Yeah. I'd be one missing in a major or you but know you I had a double major and I had a few oh my god I was just I was ridiculous but, but, but you still learned you learned all those things I learned heaps of stuff yeah. and I actually think um, what I studied at uni now, and the journalism as well, yeah. it has um, i can't—it has been so useful in my life um, because it taught me to be a critical thinker. I'm pretty widely read. I—I um, I understand critical theory. I know how to do analysis. i I've, you know, I, I read across. I love fiction. I also read a lot of non-fiction. I like you know, the the academic process of taking something on I don't understand. Yes. I like learning skills. I like, I, I think that set me up for that. And I like the robust act of taking on ideas and it's like trying it on, like you're doing philosophy to think about things differently. So yes. I I have got so much use out of my university years. I It, it has been probably the best thing I ever did. It sounds like well you're
0: an acad- you're an academic, honey. Well, that's a bit of a title. That's a bit of a title. I, I mean, I a title. no, but you well you I'm similar. I absorb information really well because my brain wants to have information, but I, I don't necessarily stay at one thing. That's probably my 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 weakness would be is I'm kind of all over the place with lots of different ideas and stuff. But as you get older, you and I, I think we're learning to hone our our skills a bit. But when we're when I was in my twenties, I just wanted everything all the time so I'd be looking at these you know yeah. elusive digs I'm like but I'm getting on a plane and I'm gonna go and live over there but lo and behold I fell into journalism PR in London without having that degree so I do believe you can do it in a practical way which brings me to you in your career because that's really interesting hearing that um, the studies that you did I love that you did five years of all those incredible subjects as well but you are a practical girl and you're a hard-working girl um and you have been a performer for, what, all your life pretty much now, would you say, like 20, 20 plus years? Yeah,
1: I would say since I was about 17, so yeah. Yeah, right. that's um, 20, about 25. 35 years. Yeah, right. How's, um, how's my math then? I started um, performing when I was at uni as well, and I was doing, like, really full-on feminist theatre and stuff like that, and um, it wasn't so funny now I look back <laughs> because it was so politically correct, but... Um, <laughs> I, but I I really, I kind of enjoyed, uh, I've always loved performing and I've always loved that kind of, um, I've I've always known that I've, you know, work I get away with is because I have stage presence, you know, I I mightn't have had much to do, you know, I'm one of those people that I'm lucky I've got. I can hold a room and have enough charisma to actually get people in. The thing is, you've got to have something that you're saying on doing. Yes. It took me a long time to work out what my voice was, like what I wanted to talk about, how I wanted to talk about things, um, rather than just stand there and use my stage presence. so Everyone looked at me, uh, but then I had nothing. Because I used to... I, 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 when I was at Brisbane, I, I modelled for about... I was a modelling agency for about six months, and off and on in my early, late teens, early 20s, I'd go in and out of... Um, working um, in modeling agencies, nothing extraordinary, um, like, you know, I'm talking like shopping centre, Kmart cat, fashion catwalk, parade, catwalk
0: stuff or standing cat-
1: in a bikini by a barrel all day while people <laughs> try to put a key in a car and then they go in the big drawer, uh, really degrading stuff like that, um, bridal ones, you know, um, it's pretty funny, like very just jeans, shirts, um, so I, I do a little bit of that. Um, off and on, you know, as well, and that was kind of funny because that was at the same time I became a feminist in my seventeen or eighteen, and and I remember leaving home and because I was tall and skinny, um, and it was always seen as a big achievement to be a model, yeah. like you would do it, like it was, you know, being yeah. beautiful was like an achievement for a girl. So suddenly going to uni and, and touching on feminism and feminist yeah. ideas,
0: yeah,
1: and then. It totally changed the way I saw the world and the way I saw myself Yeah, and how I didn't want to be objectified so that I I really did become a pretty full-on feminist around that stage. I did go back and do a bit more modelling to make some cash in my early 20s when I was a bit broke. But, um, you know, I was never going to be like a high fashion model or anything like that. I could do a bit here and there. But it, it was just more around the values of the time, particularly in the 80s. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be a model in
0: the 80s. Yeah, but obviously not someone like you. Because I did a little, I dabbled a little bit in the um, catwalk thing for the local shopping centre. And I remember wearing bikinis and white stilettos. I
1: know, <laughs> no, bad was it?
0: And I had big tits at like 12, i got to say. And I was like, and you know, they were, the boys were like saying stuff to me in the front row and whatever. And I felt objectified. I felt i got a bit of cash and a few clothes and whatever, and my friends are saying, oh, that's great, Mitch. And I'm like, yeah, I just felt I didn't feel right. And then I went and studied feminism as part of my u 12. Like, so you and I definitely have lived quite and similar yes. parallels. Yeah, it's in, in how very it funny weird times. when they do those fashion parades. They yeah. were like
1: Melbourne Cup fashion yeah. parades. All the dudes are waiting for the bikini section. Really bad. And you're going... When have men been interested in like that, those sort of blokes in fashion? They were never standing there to look at the clothes, they were standing there to pervert. Well, usually 15 year old girls.
0: Yeah, and so inside you had that little voice, which sounds similar to mine, that was just going, this isn't right. I'm not into this. I I, I actually feel that I'm more than this, more than this body. Well, I felt yucky.
1: I felt a bit yucky. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying anyone that does do modeling now, like. Yeah, that's not saying that, yeah. you know, I'm not saying that all modelling is yucky, but I'm just saying its it does come from a narrative that, um, you know, where women are objectified and, you know, and and being beautiful is powerful.
0: But what I'm hearing is behind that brawn is that brain, you know. You had a brain there that you were going, hang on a second, I'm like, I'm more than this um, six-foot, blonde, yeah. long-legged beauty, which even to describe you as that, I don't even see you as that. Apologies if that offends you, but I don't even see yeah. you as that person because your your personality and your brain is just—that's what I see when I when I talk
1: to you. Well, I would, yeah, I would hope so. That's what you want to be saying for. Yeah. So, so you yep. took
0: off from Brizzy, and because Brizzy would have been such a different landscape back then as well. Where did you? You had a great bands coming out of Brisbane round about then, but where did you go from Brisbane?
1: Um, I moved to, where did I go from Brisbane? I ended up going up north for a while. Yep. Um, went for holidays holiday for a couple of months up to, to the boyfriend. We went up to like Early Beach and we worked at a cocktail bar and <laughs> um, went to Cairns and we kind of did about three months Went working on islands and, and then went south and ended up Sort of scooted past Sydney, was everywhere a the war, but then went to Canberra, um, and did about a year in Canberra, and then came back. Oh, I moved to, back to Brisbane, but rented a place in Byron Bay on, on the beach on the mm. way.
0: So what are we talking here? We're talking like mid nineties uh, or
1: something? No, early nineties. Early nineties, yeah. And then um, ended up moving to Byron. I was about twenty two. Yeah. Um, No intention of staying here just for six months, but I was living right on Main Beach in a funky old flat that looked out of the beach. And it was pretty nice. I used to go swimming every day. I'd go in the morning, have my cup of tea on the beach. Um, And then I don't know what happened. It was kind of like, it was just boring country town by the sea, but then I got involved in the community. I met people, I met really interesting artistic people. And I got kind of involved in the culture of what Byron was in the um, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And I guess I, I stayed. I, I met my first husband and got pregnant. I was performing in a... I was doing lots of stand-up when I was here. I'd started getting really... I really started to find my voice as a stand-up when I was in Byron, because I was a bit of a loose end as a young woman. I didn't know where I was. I was always in relationships with various people. I, I attracted bizarre relationships and then I ended up um, in a two-hander called the Queen Base and that was good. and I had a baby um, with Rhett and then another one. Are you, you talking, know. what
0: are you now? Are you like mid-20s, late-20s? What are you when
1: you have your first I baby? I want to be, my first baby was at 28. 28, yes. So then I hit about 28, next baby was. I broke up with him, and then found out I was pregnant the week after breaking up. Wow! Yeah, that was for long because you know he was, you know he was. We get on really well now, but during that period he was a heroin addict, so. It wasn't a walk in the park, I did have you, to did say, you you did, you, now with a heroin did, addict, Carly, but no. it's a little intense. No, um, I haven't, I haven't, but I started falling I was thin, I was thin, too. so thin, everyone thought, I was a heroin addict too, <laughs> um, but I was just living with a heroin addict, and yeah. that makes you thin. Yeah. Um, so, you don't get fat living uh, with a heroin addict.
0: I actually, um, um, I started, I don't know, help me here, because I was living in, so mid-90s, I came back from London and was living in Melbourne, but your name came up then. Not from Byron days for me. Like, you, you, had you written a book then? I need you to. I need you to fill in some what pieces with that. Mid nineties. Did you have a book or anything out then? Were you? What were you doing then? Because your name came up to me then. Were you doing a, anything in the newspaper, or you said you were performing then?
1: I was performing. I did a lot of performing still. Then I was probably just started writing for the Echo. Yeah, yeah. Um, My partner then read, and the reason I talk about him being a heroin addict is he's very open about yeah, that in yeah, his book yeah. that he wrote. His uh, Michael Hutchins' brother. So yeah, but your name um, came
0: up in that book. I do remember that. But I thought, so, that when yeah, you, so he you were he doing wrote about something. it
1: in that book. And, and I kind of got. I was sort of in a lot of stuff in the media, and like, I was really on the sidelines, but. You know, I was there, I was involved in the family around the time and Michael died, and so I have got this bizarre experience of...
0: But I thought um, you were also performing then though, weren't you doing your own thing yeah. in the mid-90s well, too?
1: No, I, I was performing. I wasn't performing anywhere like I am now, Yeah, but yeah, I was still performing. Um, around mainly around here because i didn't have a car so i could only go to gigs that i could get a bus to yeah yeah or walk to or yeah. get a taxi um and then i've got um, i met um my next husband um then we moved to sydney um did a couple of years there and then i decided i had three kids by then i didn't want to be in sydney so i love sydney but it was just hard with the young family
0: yeah and we lived
1: in where, the northern where you rivers on the North where Coast. were you
0: living in sydney where? Yeah.
1: No, oh, I started off, I uh, got in um, Greenwich. Yep. And because we couldn't afford the eastern suburbs where I wanted to go. And then I went to the inner west, which I quite liked actually, I like the inner west, um, around Croydon, near Ashfield, Northfield in that area. So, is um, it, are we,
0: I'm trying to keep up with you chronologically here because, yes, I would be in
1: 33 then. So,
0: you're talking late 90s now, aren't we? We're in late 90s. Do you
1: reckon? Yeah, I reckon by 2001 we're up to.
0: Okay quick because the reason when we we're talking about Rhett just then because that would you describe that as a um of one of those really defining moments of your life where it was quite hard with little kids and, um, and life-changing would you describe that as that part of your life?
1: At, oh yeah totally 20s? it was it was um you know that was I had Zoe in 95 I had Sophia in 99 and Brett and I split in 98 and we probably got together in 93, end yeah, of right. 93. Yep. So, oh, God, it was really full on. It was, yeah. um, you know, I was painting a lot. Then I had an agent in Sydney. I probably was selling – I was doing about four or five exhibitions a year in Sydney and selling out virtually everything I painted. Mm. Um so that was a different era for me too. I, I was more of a painter then than I was a performer. I lived. I, I my most of my income come, came from my art. Which not a lot of people would know about you, would they? Well, yeah, some don't, but some do. Some remember me more as an artist than as a performer. Wow. Um, I it was it was an interesting time. Like we had, you know, we lived from. You know, it was like from feast to famine. Like we'd be really broke and poor and then suddenly a limo would pick us up and we'd go off to some mm. fabulous location and do something for two weeks and then come back and be back to being, you know, lining up at Centrelink. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, so it was a pretty, pretty bizarre life. And I was pretty, you know, I didn't have a car. Yeah. I carried – I said I walked. I carried my groceries and my child and my – you know, as I yeah. well skinny as. Yeah. You know, I, I dealt with some hard stuff, you know. We, yeah. I often – Every couple of weeks, I'd have to go to Vinnie's to get nappies because I didn't have any money for nappies yeah. or food yeah. or, um, you know, we lived really hand to mouth some weeks. Yeah, there's so those times in- tough like that, like that's why, um, resilience, you know, I'm a resilient person.
0: Yeah, but there's those defining times in your life. That's why I was taking you back there for a moment because I, I remember mine without going into them. It was mid nineties, but I went to, I moved to Sydney in about 98 and met my husband and had two kids in Bondi. Um, so see you and I we've got this ridiculous oh, thing going on here, which this is why I love podcasts because I take people back we don't often go back, we go forward when you go yeah. back, I learn like I'm learning a lot about you from this i, I I'm sorry to say I didn't know you're a painter like.
1: That's okay. Go you figure. It's nice to find out new things. Yeah, here.
0: but this is why it's so cool to go back. But the um, you know, the defining time for me was in Melbourne in, in mid '90s, and it's and it's interesting. I had a healing recently at a, a health retreat, and this guru, not a guru, because that's that's too strong a word. This person was actually doing a really good treatment on me. She was a Hawaiian goddess actually, and she was doing a lomi lomi. and she's she said, oh, and she literally ripped something out of my. Right side that she's related back to 1995. It's super, yeah. and I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. But um, yeah, and then I felt really like free and, and like my body moved better. It was just interesting. So talking to you then, I was just thinking of Mandy Nolan's life and thinking that that would have been the defining part or the paradigm shift, the part that really
1: turns you into another direction. Oh, totally. I, I, I changed after that um, first relationship. I or well, that my that you know that. You know it's really tough and you kind of i've never thought about being a mother i didn't have values about owning mm. anything or no. i was a real um i don't know i'm a bit of a hippie I'm not really a hippie but more of a socialist right i never had mm. ideals about white weddings or yeah. houses or anything yeah you know i've, I've become yeah. surprisingly middle class since then <laughs> because it just wasn't me you in know, an urban hippie sort of in, way i guess than anything and i was i was i was happy living in a shed Sleeping on a mattress on the floor. I didn't. I didn't ever want for something more than that. Like yeah, yeah, I get too. And, and I'm kind of happy. That's one of the things I think is one of my best, um, my my strongest attributes is yeah. that because I have, you know, I grew up tough and, yep. and poor, and because I've lived on next to nothing, I'm really resilient. Yep. And I know, I know I can survive. I'm a real survivalist, and mm. you know, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not soft like that. Like I can, I can do it tough.
0: Yep. Because you've actually gone on and had
1: five children, is that right? Yeah, I have a stepdaughter too. She's twenty-four. Twenty-four. So she came into my life when she was eleven. So I had four of my own, and, yep. and I raised a stepdaughter as well. So
0: because um, when I met you, Mandy Nolan, and I do have to say those words together, it just goes so well, Mandy Nolan. I'm so glad you did your <laughs> Mandy it. Nolan. Amen. Um, when I met you, you. We were doing a bit of a gig together at a festival and you had either just had Ivy. I'm sure you were, you were heavily pregnant and then I saw you, so I think, I think at Dalianse you were hev- heavily pregnant. How old's Ivy? He turns 11 on the
1: 24th okay. of April. So
0: that was 10, 11 years ago. Okay, so I'm yeah. fairly sure you were heavily pregnant. Then I saw you do another gig when you were doing the RSL comedy gigs. What were they called? at The Crumb House?
1: I think. Side splitting line. That's right. Yeah,
0: and you, and then your husband had her up the back um, as a new Yeah, singer. yeah. So you just performed. That I just saw you as this amazing performer who was pregnant, that had a baby, and kept going. Um, which is your I've always done
1: that. Yeah, your I'm on stage. I just go. Yeah. I don't leave any gaps. You yeah. Know, yeah. With my. Like, I feel like, you know, it's not easy when you bring your baby to work, but yeah. all my babies were breastfed for ages, so, yeah. you know, they'd never take a bottle, so I always had to bring them with me wherever I went, but you just got you kind of just adapt and go, okay, I'll just, you know, a lot of workplaces weren't, you know, you had to make the workplace suit you, mm. and, and most places were pretty good mm. about it. You mm. know, there's some places you wouldn't take a little kid to because it's so noisy, but... Mm. Um, or a baby too, but you know, most times you could make it work. I mean, it's not like I was going into an office and having to sit there for eight hours a day. It's, you know, generally, you know, someone could turn up with the baby and I'll do my job and then go home. The life of a freelancer. So you have been a uh,
0: sole operator, freelancer, all these words that are getting thrown around now with the, with the new COVID reimbursements of of job keepers. Um, I'm thinking about all my freelance friends but you've pretty much been I mean you're a successful um, freelancer at that but would you call yourself a freelancer per se?
1: Yeah I guess so. I guess I'd say I was a freelancer. I mean everything I do is freelance. Yeah. pretty well you know i do i do contract work for people i do i get interesting you know my inbox is always full of some fascinating offers of can you do this can you do that you know so i'm like oh okay um yeah so yeah so i'm definitely a freelancer and so do you um
0: so year to year feast or famine we talked about before but year to year you pretty much know what you're doing have you got yourself into a position now you're a professional performer and you're you know you're an engaged mc do you kind of know what you're doing year to year now
1: well generally my diary books up six months in advance to a year in advance so and then I start putting in other tours. I pretty well have a fairly strong um, idea of what I'm doing because I'm building on the years that go before so yeah I've always had a strong diary.
0: Yeah. And what is, what, what is it mainly that you're doing these days?
1: Oh well, definitely performing. Yeah. I do that the most I I do a lot of performing which is great at one point I was running a festival and stuff and I went do I want to be an event manager or a performer and I went I don't (laughs) want to be an." I I, I put on events so I've got places to work with the people I love working with in places where I believe i am going to really gain a lot from that yeah but I love doing those. But as far as doing bigger events, I don't want to be an event manager. I yeah. want to be on, you yeah. know, I want to be on I yeah. want to be on the stage. You,
0: and you get yeah. to an age where you know exactly what makes your heart sing and I always had this yeah. analogy. I mean, I did a, as you know some big festivals myself and I had this analogy like, fuck, I just don't want to be bringing in the bins at 3 a.m. And it wasn't because I was above it. It was just that I was exhausted. You know, I was like, shit, there's always someone that has to do this. It can be
1: really exhausting. you do the site
0: check. Someone's got to be there at 3 a.m. The party's over, but you've still got to hang around. So performing is something that rocks your boat. And, you know, like I've seen you at lots of different platforms. I've had friends that have done your comedy course. I've threatened to do your comedy course many a time. I think you've even tried to get me, lure me in as a... Hero of the Tweed recently, which like made my made me kind of you know feel a bit, <laughs> feel a bit special, um, special. Uh, but I actually love it when you do things like this. Uh, Bernard Fanning and Tim Rogers at the Writers' Festival. So you always pop up at Byron Writers' Festival. It's one of my favourite festivals to attend as a writer and somebody who loves books. And I go there and I just get so much joy out of watching you um, in your element because you seem to be able to flick really. I mean, you're you. You're always you. You're very raw and you're very down to earth. But you seem to be able to turn it on when you need to, in a little bit of a you know serious situation as well.
1: And I'm quite good at doing the serious as well. Like you can move and you can change. <laughs> um, and that's one of the great things doing the rides Festival is I really like the the variation in, in the cheering, like. It, you've got to make people laugh occasionally to keep them with it, but you've got to be able to move yeah. through a gamut of emotions depending yeah. on what people's stories are. So yeah. I actually think years of doing the Writers' Festival will become a really good chair and that I'm pretty adaptable. And people come to my sessions just because they know they're going to be enjoyable and 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 fun and that I still go. Like one of my favorite sessions was the one I did with Jimmy Barnes actually and it was really because um, a lot of the stuff he was talking about was really heart, like really heartbreaking mm. um and actually being able to ask those kind of questions it was nice afterwards his agent came up went wow that was fantastic and so jane his wife went, that was really you know
0: yeah
1: um a great session so yeah i've, I've had years of interview practice too from working at the echo for nearly 20 years have you been there, there for 20 session. years <laughs> yeah i've been there for ages so oh, that's I've, a I've been interviewing only a few people all week every week Mm. and so people don't realize um interviewing is a skill and it it's much harder than you think it is Mm. because you have to really listen and you have to be prepared um you know prepared in a way that you know your subject Mm. Mm -hmm. but you also have to not on this course, where you're just going to steer through, and when people just go, then next question, next question, nice. next question. It has to become, I think, a conversation. Well,
0: that's exactly what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Um, you're yeah, so doing good. Because if I like when I MC and I've done a few, I'm you know, like I actually funnily enough, Mandy Nolan. I was having a bad MC day a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why. Oh, it was just before the COVID thing and it was a women's lunch. It was, okay, I won't say where, but paint this picture because you've been here so many times. So it was a hundred, they went from 120 to 150 women. And they were oily, fed, well well watered and fed way before I got a chance to speak. It was an International Women's Day um, event. And there was four speakers. I said, please don't have that many. There was four on a panel. Sorry, there was five speakers. I could just see where it was rolling. There was
1: yeah.
0: four, four on a panel plus me was a lot, firstly that I have not encountered before. And then there was a speaker before that, you know, so it all started to roll into this um, debauchery, to be really frank with you. And there was one long table that was just, you could not control. And I had a couple of my beautiful Tan Sim, you know, Feros, you work with Tan. Yeah. So Tan's a really good friend of mine and she was really trying to help me on the sides and calm everything down. But basically we lost control and what I should have done in hindsight, was was um, people were yelling at people going, you stop, and then everyone was getting really angry at the people that were talking and <laughs> and I just sort of threw my hands in the air and I actually said your name. I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna turn into Mandy Nolan right now. I'm gonna be super fucking funny. No, I didn't say that. I said, okay, I'm gonna undress undressed, I'm gonna get nude, I'm getting naked. I still couldn't get them. And I said, I'm going to... Mandy Nolan did this reverse. <laughs>
1: just stripped
0: it. But I got all flustered and, and I forgot that you actually arrived on stage naked and then you got dressed. Oh, yeah,
1: so then nice. I started to get my kit off. It's, it's pretty scary when you lose an But like I started to get like, my kit off they and they really, still didn't. Hard.
0: Did you get your gear off? No, was, that's what I mean. I was half undressed and I was still I had a couple of friends laughing, but this these chicks what I should have done and I learn, you learn every time, is hey ladies, what I'm gonna do is just give you a moment to go outside because there were some pretty serious speakers too. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't funny shit, it was serious shit. And um, and give you some, you know. How about you go out in the garden, continue your conversation out there? We'll give you five minutes to do that, and we'll continue. Do you know what I mean? I should have actually stopped yeah. it because it was way beyond it. But I, yeah, I just wanted to tell you that because I did bring you I in. I know it
1: can go so. Remember things that you learn as you go. Oh but you would, God, but you would just you probably
0: you'd go straight to humor, wouldn't you? What would you do? What What do you do if someone's not laughing? Well,
1: I don't know why they're Everybody not laughing. Laughs. I just look at someone. I'll you. get someone else laughing. Or, you know, every every event's different. Some of those events, you turn up and, you know, what's happened is they've got serious subject matter. Yeah. It's a group of women together. They yeah. might have dressed up with fucking hats on because it's Melbourne Cup Day <laughs> or something. And they're, they're, that, that, if they're dressed up, it's always going to be hard. Yep. Um, is that your thing? Absolutely. And, and if it's champagne on arrival at lunchtime, you're fucking up against it because oh. they're pissed. <laughs> yes. And it, it, sometimes they're just a bit drunk. Yeah. If they're a bit drunk, you really are going to struggle to get their attention because yeah. they're just – I mean, I, that happens to me and I just – I often match their energy and I'll go above it or – What do you do? You,
0: Give me an example.
1: Oh, I kind of – it's even hard Like, you'll just kind of, like, I'll dance around. Yeah, I'll kind yeah, of yeah. just – I won't say much because they're not yeah. going to listen to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll, kind of up the ante. You and become very go, visual. Oh, that's so funny. Like, I'll be visual <laughs> more than I will be. And then you might grab them for bits and pieces but you, you know, you can't take those audiences. You can't take, like, and if you yell at them and tell them to shut up, it just, it just creates a really bad yeah. vibe. So yeah. it's, put, sending them outside is a good idea. Yeah,
0: so they can have just a some bit of time, time out. And come back you know, in, but, yeah,
1: you know, have twenty thousand more drinks.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, it's funny because. Um, I am not someone that laughs out loud. Going back to you and your your performance style, I don't laugh out loud. I don't laugh out loud in, in the theatre. I think I laugh on the inside. But you get me every time. Like, oh, your shit good. is I'm so sad. funny. And I've heard your shit over and over again. I've heard some of your material, particularly when you're at the RSL, like 10 times, and I still crack up. One of your well, best... The, I'm not just saying this because you're on my podcast, but one of the best ones, I think you're relative. And, and now that you and I have had this parallel universe going on where we've had kids at the same age and lived in different places and Successfully not completed two and a half year degrees and all that jazz
1: Um, You
0: you having five years as a classic I love that but you had this one where you had the little kids and I was driving to school one day Crumman Valley State School with little kids probably the same age as yours and I remember you (laughs) said the car was going off and Then when they hopped out and I said I was so you were so relatable everything went into slow motion and a love song came on And you wanted them to come back? (laughs) <laughs> and they were like they couldn't wait to get away from you like this crazed woman uh, that description's not very good but bloody hell that's funny it's true though
1: know, it's kind of one of those things that happens <laughs> where you go you're angry and then it changes <laughs> and as I walk away you go oh, I, feel bad. Nah, I shouldn't have done that
0: oh and have you, have you got any be com- um before we go into our last question which I didn't bloody prompt you on the last question sorry honey but that's I, all right. there's one There's one question that I always end with and I haven't told you so it's super spontaneous for you but before I do that is there
1: Anyone in your family that's as bloody funny as you are? Um, sure, you know my kids are really funny. My son is really funny, and my two elder daughters are hysterically funny. Zoe and Sophia are really, but they're not funny like oh my Sophia's actually really funny. She does all lot of YouTube stuff. She's got a, she's a really funny dancer and really funny. She's yeah. got she have, all the kids are funny, but three of them are particularly funny. <laughs>
0: And what did, what, what did little Ivy end up kind of like? Because only ever she's
1: saw She's serious, Ivy. Ivy's much more. Um, she's much more serious. She's into nature and gardening, and she takes <laughs> nature photography with photographs. Oh, she's cautious. got chickens. I found this at eleven this morning. She had a yoga thing on doing yoga Like She's like she's forty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> Is she the she's one that more mature than i am she keeps people. you
0: in line i was just thinking that she's your maturity radar there yeah. okay so mandy nolan this has been gorgeous talking to you and i always finish with who because it's a travel podcast yeah and we're grounded who and where inspires you around the world so two things a people and a place ah,
1: people a person a place.
0: not a people um, around the world yeah around let's start with the place where's a place that inspires you
1: it could oh, be. It could be a really beautiful time when I was in Greece. Actually, I have oh. to say that was really, really nice. I would love to go back. Yeah. Again, I did I only went to a little island. I called Salakos and stayed with a um, friend who has a little. She's got a house in the village because it's a matrilineal line. And what I really loved there was um, just the local. The way they everything people ate. The village of 300 people. or something, everyone knew each other. they related. And you, like, you know, Uncle, you know, Apostle ladies would come down, and he he had the olive oil, which is amazing. And yeah. then someone else would turn up, and they had, you know, zucchinis or cucumbers, and I mean, so many men with vegetables in their pants. It was unbelievable. There was a corn <laughs> plant. And then there'd be, you know, someone had dormades, and up the road there was, you know, Maria, and she had, uh, you know, a an oven in the front yard where she made this incredible, um, you know, bread, yeah. you know, so, all the food that you ate, yeah, you know, all those everything, just came from this little village. And it wasn't yeah. a huge variety of stuff, but it was so amazing yeah. and delicious. I so, kind of like the way they traded their food. I yeah, think that really inspiring. Well, we might be
0: heading in that direction, honey. So keep those. I uh, think we I hope we. I hope
1: we do. Well, we, we that's something we learn to be resilient and self-sustained. And
0: we're primed in that area here in, in Northern Rivers. Like, like you, I'm getting, I'm getting unbelievable stuff delivered to the door all the time. and
1: yeah, I'm happy. I'm probably, to,
0: Happy
1: lovely, to support lovely, that. Lovely, love it. So, who's a person that inspires you, Mandy Nolan? I um, person that inspires me is, I'd say, Helena Norberg Hodge, who was running the um, Local Futures Conference that I was performing at. Um, Helena is um, now in her 70s. She um, really pioneered um, the localisation movement around the world, moving away from globalisation, which is a bit what I was talking about that village and how much I love the local production because it's 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 i think really important um she's basically given her life um to spreading this message and doing the conferences and the work that she does she's um a peer of Noam chomsky david suzuki you know she's held in huge esteem around the world um she's spoken at economic forums you know all over the world um and she's a really quite a humble person too but she's I love her passion and yeah. I love her um, I love that she's in her 70s yeah and she's you know she still is fired up about change mm. and she's, she's so well and she's so informed I do I find her a really inspiring woman
0: is she does she live in the northern rivers
1: does she live six, she's six months of the year she's here and then for another six months she goes back to the UK is this what you were doing um, with there. Russell she Brand? worked a lot yeah, she, well, yeah, he, he was going to be on a panel with Helena. Hel- yeah. Helena's someone that he really admires as well. Yeah, He's yeah. featured her on one of his podcasts recently. Yes, yes. Um, and he's been he interviewed her for some TV stuff when she was in, in the UK. Yeah. So, you know, she's done a lot of work on the dark. You know, she's, she's a linguist, speaks mm. seven languages, um, mm. has a profound understanding of culture, but has an understanding of e- economics um, and, and really is an advocate for how to change. Wow.
0: And was it, I love that. That came off the top of your head, so she really inspires you. Yeah, no, she does. I I didn't prime me on that. Was it true? I was listening to Russell. I love, I'm I'm really obsessed with Russell Brad's podcast. I go in the bath and I listen. He gets these, and this is so not my brain, but I think it's the way he delivers it. You might be able to help me out here. The quantum physicist that he gets on, I go in the bath with a glass of wine and I am lost in Russell's world of interviewing these fucking scientists, which usually wouldn't be my vibe, but somehow
1: it sinks in. I think it's his delivery. It's gotta be because it just- Well, he has a great way of actually, um, he has a great way of plain Englishing things of actually taking um, complex subjects and and, Mm. and putting them in and almost interpreting them through the Russell brand.
0: Well, I tell you what—it it sinks yeah. into this this Aspie brain of mine. It absolutely sinks in here. And he—he's um, highly intelligent, Mandy. He's super like the way he absorbs oh, information. And, and I don't mean intelligent as in degrees and shit. He—the way he absorbs information is really impressive. The other one that you might like to is Blind Boy. Have you seen Blind Boy the podcast? The Irish guy.
1: Freaking... Um, no, but my friend on your keeps telling me oh, I have to yeah. listen to that. We might,
0: we, we might need to get you like that too because he, well, it's too late for you, honey, because everybody knows you, <laughs> but he, oh. wears, he lives in Limerick and he wears a bag over his head and he, he's known for the bag over his head and he just cuts the eyes out so that he can still go down to the shops in Limerick. Oh, um, that's good. We could have done that to you about like 20 years ago, but it's too late now, Mandy Nolan Yeah, you, um, too late. You, um, you are known everywhere, but you're always super friendly and lovely to hang out with and I love seeing you um, host and I love that you make me laugh out loud.
1: Thanks, Kylie. Thanks, yeah. chatting with me. It was
0: really nice. Yeah, it was really good. Thanks for taking the time out too, honey, because you're very productive at the moment. We're not busy. We're just productive. And you won't get a chance to hear this before I drop it, okay? Is that all That's right
1: with fine. you? You can just drop it. Just drop it away.
0: Drop it, sister. Adios, Mandy Nolan. Adios. See you later, Kylie. Bye.